Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Hey, guys. It's your good buddy, Michael Rosenbaum. And I want to say thanks for watching TalkVille. And uh, season three is coming to a close. But I want you guys to go on in the link uh, in the description and vote on your favorite things. You know, whatever Bryce puts up there. I want to see what you guys like. So check that out. Who loves you? I hope you know I do. Welcome back to Talkville, folks, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. We got uh, great folks with us today. We got Tom Willing. Tom, greetings. Ryan. Tams. Tom's doing a lot of hand gestures for those of you who are just right. listening. It was yes. a lot of it was gra- a lot of gratitude, a gratitude gestures, non-verbal yeah. Look gesture. at your hand. Look at your hand right now. Yeah, Ryan, it's shaking like you're nervous. <laughs> what? Are you nervous? <laughs> what have I been it is our third to last show of season three, and without you, this wouldn't be possible. So, if you want to join Patron, that's p a t r e o n dot com slash Talkville slash Talkville. Uh, join Patron. There's so many perks. There's so much fun. We had a meet and greet with the patrons in D.C. Um, and you guys save the podcast. If you want this to continue going, please support us, patreon.com slash talkville. And we love you. All the top tiers of the patron get their names shouted out at, at in every episode. So uh, another perk. And the merch store, talkville.com, talkvillepodcast.com. Awesome stuff. We've got this piece of art. The last one sold out right away. This new one just out there. It's new artwork from May Charters. Tom and I both signed it. 50 prints. That's it. Once they're gone, they're gone. There's not going to be any more sold. So you want to get that. It's on the talkvillepodcast.com. Um, they're at a really reasonable price right now. They're both autographed by me and Tom personally. I brought them. Tom signed them. Uh, if you want to listen on our socials, Talkville Podcast on all socials, and you can leave messages on the hotline. It's all in the bios and the handles. Um, but uh, if you go to my uh, bio on Instagram, go to Linktree, and you'll see all that stuff, and you can take care of it. Tom and I are going to be in uh, some cons coming up, so look at that uh, Linktree as well. We're both on Cameo. Uh, a lot going on, and a lot. The holidays are coming. The holiday. Are you having a beer? No, it's a liquid death. It's a liquid death. death. They should be a sponsor. Water. Water. Um, lot to discuss, and we have a guest coming on after this episode uh, is over, or during this episode, so hopefully he'll show up. It's a very big guest. Hopefully, he'll have a shirt on. You never know with John. <laughs> we never know. He's got a great body. Without, John who? Without further... Oh, yeah. I already said his name, didn't I? Well, there Could be John who? John who? John who? John Doe. John who? There's a couple of Johns in our lives. Without further ado, let's get into it. Season 3, episode 20. This is called Talisman. Talisman. Title Talisman. Aired Cinco de Mayo. That's the 5th of May. My sister's birthday. 2004. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Director Aww, John happy birthday. Schneider. Writers Ken Biller. Guest star Gordon Tutusis as Joseph Willowbrook. Uh, last season, season two, uh, Skinwalker. Nathaniel Arcand as Jeremiah Holdsclaw. Terry, Terrell Rothery as a real estate agent. 
Lionel fights to uncover the secrets of the Kawashi Caves. A prophecy gets misinterpreted, and Clark must fight to prevent it from causing death and destruction to the people around him. If I may, uh, based on our um, previous podcast, Miles and Al both admitted to the fact that because of Miles' episode, this episode had considerably less money Mm -hmm. and time. Uh, But I will say that I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. I think John did a great job. Um, But just know that if if you're listening to this podcast and then watching it, that is a thing. Yeah. What I got from this episode, and we'll get into it, is is that it took away from a lot of the story and it was sort of a freak of the week, you know, and the fact that he got powers and this, and it was, it was, it was, there were some very cool elements. I thought it was, uh, it just was, wasn't a great story. Um, but I think John did a great job. I think it's a big picture idea is what they were going for. What, yeah. what happens when you get powers? What do you do with them? If you're not in the right way, if, if you're not in the right place to, appreciate them for good but we've like seen the, that yeah. in other episodes we've seen people a little where bit. they have powers and they take your powers and um it always goes bad it always goes bad the episode starts back in the good old kawachi caves where i love to breathe in that dust and fog machine as we see familiar face joseph willowbrook chaperoning a disgruntled jeremiah holdsclaw who is upset with how luther corp is distri- disgracing their heritage Lionel meets the two men and asks Joseph to explain something he's discovered in the excavation. Jeremiah gets excited by finding out, finding, but Joseph writes it off as cookware. Jeremiah gets all weird. I like John Glover's response. Cookware. Dude, Jeremiah- John Glover, this this is actually a John Glover episode. Oh, yeah. As far as I can see. He steps like, up, He's man. so good. Do you realize, one of the things I, I finally realized about John is when he speaks, his breathing and his acting. I think a lot of times when when I was on the show and I would I I wasn't concerned I wasn't aware of my breathing. John's breathing is everything in his performance. It's great. Hex, son. He breathes like it's he's great. A it's alive. Jeremiah gets all weird. He's decides to smash the artifact with a rock, causing it to emit a burst of energy and turn it into a dagger. He throws Lionel across the room, and then Luther Corp security opens fire. The bullets don't phase him ever, and he super speeds away. The next day, I thought that was pretty cool. There were some cool effects and things like that. In there. Okay, there's two, there's two quick things, and I'll probably be quieter as we go on. This is a really big opportunity for Lionel to actually see this metaphysical universe happening in front of him. Meanwhile, his three security guards don't move an inch. True. Yeah. They don't move an inch. They should have jumped forward to try to protect him. I know later they try, you know, they shoot him and stuff, but uh, Lionel is actually witnessing this now, which I, I think is a good That's takeaway. That's true. He's seeing these powers- but he's also seeing that maybe Jeremiah, in a way, is the chosen one, or maybe I, I don't know if he is, but like he's getting this super these superpowers. Well, he's seeing the Clark can't. He's seeing Clark's powers in front of him, and he doesn't know that Clark has them. Right, like he's witnessing that. So it's a deterrent, maybe. Yeah. Also, I'm not sure that the security guards should have opened fire in the lab. I think that was a bad move. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of expensive science stuff in That's there. That's obviously not your favorite scene. Shoot him in the knees. Don't shoot him in the face. There's a lot Clark of expensive- gets a visit from Joseph who tells him that his destiny was revealed when Jeremiah pulled the, tr- the, the dagger. Clark goes to share the news with his father, explaining that it's a tool for Naman. Naman? Naman. 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 To destroy his enemy. Jonathan doesn't believe that Jeremiah will return it intoxicated by the power. The power of Grayskull. He man. Back at school, Chloe walks into the torch to find Pete flustered after a phone call. He's not acting like himself and dodging the conversation. Over at Smallville Medical, we see a ripped Lionel Luther. 
really working on those pectorals, being inspected in a room and visited by his loyal wiretapping son. I thought this was a great scene. Yeah, there were some really great did. scenes between us. I really yeah. enjoyed them. And I was even like, I was watching, doing some other work, and I actually stopped to go, huh. You're like, oh, that's me. Oh, yeah, not bad. Not bad, dude. <laughs> uh, Lex tells his father he should stop living in the past and give up his exploration of the caves. You know, it's funny. There was a moment, I think it was this scene where I was, I kind of got flustered where I go, I go, uh, stop living in the past and and i i don't know if i forgot the line but it worked because i was like searching for it and i wasn't just you know throwing out dialogue it looked like i was actually thinking i was coming up with it and i liked it even though it was like so you know sometimes you you know you mess up or you do something but it comes off as like real and i and i yeah. actually go okay good even though i knew i felt like hey i kind of believe that i didn't know exactly You're what you were you were searching for it. And the other takeaway from this is now you're saying to Lionel what he's been saying to you, which is forget about the past. I know. Mm-hmm. Pop calling the kettle black. That's what that is right there. Chloe leaves the torch where one friend receives bad news to head to the town where another friend receives bad news. Lana got into the French program, but she was denied financial aid. Lana tells her to tap into the piggy bank and ask Lex. Later, we watch... Uh, catch up with clark who plans a visit to visit jeremiah at central kansas a&m instead of teaching assistant he runs into lex inside his ransacked office and clark lies about his visit and lex doesn't buy it because clark is obsessed with the kawachi caves all right now i have a fan question and this is for ryan this oh. is for mr ryan all right i don't know about you and you can say yes or no but i'm feeling 22 there's something different about lex in this episode that starts in this scene michael gets a little casual with Lex here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He starts throwing his starts throwing his looks around a little bit, which then carries over to the Lana thing. Did you notice that at all? Yeah, I, I, there it, was, it, you it's were not a bad thing, but he's just a little more flippant, a little more like, oh yeah? Like, yeah, he was like, a little usually bit doesn't more say, like oh, yeah. annoyed because you know what? I think the weight of him wiretapping his father, I think of the weight of like all these things with Clark adding up, I think he kind of got a little bit annoyed and sort right. of like, do you yeah. find me to be an idiot? Yeah. Because and I'm kind of tired way, of it. So I did play it a little bit more confidently or, or I mean, that's interesting, but the question is, was for Ryan. Yes. Yes. No, I mean, I <laughs> I, I took note of like, because when the, when this scene, when you're talking with Clark in the, the ransacked office, like there were, there were some different acting choices. And I don't know if this was John or if this was you, but like you did this thing with like your like you rubbed your hand over your face yeah, before you, you made rubbed a comment. your face. I saw that like too. That, I, I took note of that because I was like, he hasn't. Yeah, me, me too. Talkville is brought to you by Good Chop. If you haven't heard us talk about this, uh, this this is unbelievable. This is an unbelievable company. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on schedule. I cooked some of these steaks and it was the best meat. I've had, and I'm not, I want, I'm going to name drop, but I went, I won't name drop. I went to my friend Skeet's house and we barbecued and I put these on the grill and I don't know what it was, but good shop completely sold me. Uh, you can choose from over 70 high quality cuts, 100% grass fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free range and organic chicken breast, pork tenderloin, thick cut bacon, uh, they also have wild-caught seafood, salmon, Pacific cod, scallop, shrimp, and more. Tom, have you had this? No, oh, this is good stuff, guys. Um, 
I've had it all, and I want more. I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to be safe. Yeah, it's. Uh, I really am. When I get these boxes, I get so excited because I know I'm going to be fed for the week. And what's great is it doesn't cost a fortune for this great. You could have quality meats. Uh, Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. And unlike a lot of companies, Tom, Good Chop sources its meat and seafood exclusively from American farms and fisheries, so you can support local family farms and independent ranchers right here in the U.S. The products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want, just like I do. Good Shop especially prides itself on sourcing meat that comes with no antibiotics or added hormones ever. No artificial ingredients, only the good stuff. And, you know, they're so they're so confident in this product, as am I and Tom here, uh, that they offer 100% money-back guarantee here. So love Good Shop or get your money back. This stuff's the real deal. If you want delicious meats or seafood, this is the place. Good Shop. Go to goodchop.com slash Talkville120 and use code Talkville120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code at Talkville120 at goodchop.com slash Talkville120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash Talkville120, code Talkville120. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, a lot of us wish we had more time, but time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you could do more of it. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can help everyone be the best they can be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Listen, learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Talkville today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Talkville. It was it was like a little bit more. It wasn't as like measured and uh, stoic as you have been in the past. Really? Yes, I took but, notes. But that, but acting. what you said, Michael, makes sense because you're you're carrying a wire. You're you're being um, you're not being honest. You know, as you're walking around, you're wearing a wire most likely. But I, I think that the fact that I know you, I know you that the fact that you had all that stuff on your head as an actor. It has to be a choice when you touch your face because you have makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seemed very, you just seemed annoyed. The fact that you touch your face, yeah. like Ryan, I was yep. like, Lex doesn't touch his face. He it's doesn't usually do a that. tell when no, people touch it. their face. Usually means they're lying. I think yeah. he's a little stressed out. Yeah. But, it was good. Uh, no, I I, uh, I did notice my performance was different. It was more annoyed, more like a little short fuse and also calculating and also... Like, less patient. Less patient. Mm. Impatient. Lionel ends up catching up with Joseph on campus despite his bruised ribs and ego. Lionel tries to bribe his way into getting the dagger back. It's kind of odd that Lionel is so persistent with the dagger. Um, if the whole reason he is studying the caves is to cure his terminal illness. Yeah. How will that accomplish it? 
because the the kid wielding the dagger was impervious to bullets. So he obviously has some sort of, he, he might be immortal. I, I agree with that. I also think that in Lionel's mind, he thinks he may be the savior. Ah, that's good. All right. I like that. So let's go with that. <laughs> like Clark that. interrupts the combo to share a Kryptonian symbol that Jeremiah burned into his office blinds. Joseph says it's the slumber place where death rituals are performed. That night, we see Jeremiah busting out some dance moves with the dagger in hand. Joseph interrupts <laughs> him and tells him not to let the power block his better judgment. Jeremiah doesn't want to succeed power to Clark as he's gotten some sort of savior complex. And after calling Clark a pr false prophet, he eye blasts a, a car. <laughs> Eye blast. <laughs> Our new t-shirt. A new t-shirt, eye blasting. Clark returns home and talks to his parents about Jeremiah's corruption and possible plans to take out Lionel Luther, thinking that he's a Sagith. Clark wants to warn Lionel, but Jonathan says, nope, let him die. No. The next day, a, pro a prototypical realtor storms into the Talon, touring it for one of their clients, unbeknownst to Lana. It seems Lex has hired her to sell the place. Lana storms into the Luther mansion, upset for not being tipped off to Lex's plan. He's confused, thinking that this is what she wanted to be able to uh, afford her French trip. Lex tells her it's not profitable. L Lana asks him why he held on for so long. He then tells the high school junior that he did it for her. I thought this scene was awesome because I really thought it was going to turn into like this little bickering thing. But the rationale that Lex has and the way you explain it, I'm like, yeah. I mean, this this all worked when you were part of it. Now that you're leaving, it doesn't it, it doesn't make any sense. I thought it added up really well. I really like this. Scene. Yeah, and what's what's crazy is that um, he comes off kind of hard and this and that, and then he says, "Why do you think I did this? Yeah. You think I did this to make money?" And it's kind of right. saying, "I did it for you, Lana. I like you, and I want you to succeed, and I wanted to help you out. I have nothing in this. I make billions of dollars. You think I give a shit about making fifty cents on a cup of coffee? Come on." But he doesn't flirt with her. He doesn't. He moves on to the next thing. He's like, you know, because I don't think as many people would think I'm flirting with her. I'm not. I'm maybe there's deep down kind of like I'm charmed by her, but I'm also like I still have Clark's back and I actually wanted to help her. And yeah. I bought that. I yeah. bought that because I'd be the first to say eh, you're flirting with her. Yeah, It was a good turn. I was worried about the flirting, too, but like it, the way it, it definitely steered in the, the right direction. Right direction. Yeah. Well, I, and I think her reaction at the end of the scene is here's a person who's legitimately encouraging her to follow her own path yeah. where no one else is. I That's agree. my takeaway. And, and treating her like an adult. I mean, question for yeah. you guys. Do you ever feel like the girl who goes to Paris or do, or not? Um, do you feel like Are you the girl that goes to Paris or are you not the girl that goes to Paris? You know, metaphor by your metaphorically. Hey, uh, I mean, I've been there. To to Paris? I've been there a bunch of times, so I guess I am. I'm not the Paris guy. Back on the farm, Clark walks into the <laughs> barn, finding Lionel <laughs> waiting in the shadows for him. How long was he there? No clue. Lionel pleads with Clark to get the artifact back from the Kawachi people, believing the dagger is made from some metal from the key. Clark has had enough of this strong army and tells him to beat it. I love it. He's just like, "Get out of here," and he leaves. That's the first time you said "fuck off" to. To Lionel. Clark leaves and goes to visit Joseph. He questions his professor's interpretation of the prophecy. Joseph is steadfast in his belief and losing hope of getting through to Jeremiah. And in the scene, Clark tells Joseph that he is not a killer, forgetting that a few episodes ago. He he uh, definitely killed a guy unprovoked in velocity in the car, if we recall. But I don't want to get into that one. I there's a slight there's a little similarity between Joseph and Jonathan Kent here because I got a little frustrated that I don't know. I, I feel like 
the only thing encouraging is that they what they both have in common is they're trying to encourage Clark to make his own choices and they're and they're using a lot of patience for Clark in that endeavor. And I think he has it going for him because Joseph is really like he just seems to be standing around a lot. But yeah. he's waiting for Clark to come to his own conclusion on his own, and I think that's powerful. Clark heads back home, met by Jeremiah. His plan of luring him worked. As Jeremiah believes he must kill Clark before Sagith for some reason, Clark tries to whip out some kryptonite to stop Jeremiah, who seems confused and completely unbothered by the rock. Clark tries to grab Jeremiah, but he's too fast. He's, You know what I thought for a second? That Jeremiah was going to be like, oh, kryptonite makes you weak. But he didn't figure that out. He just thought he was getting him, and he throws it away. <laughs> it, was, it was a little funny when he held up the kryptonite and he was struggling to hold it. And Jeremiah was like, the fuck what is I, this i think yeah i Beat think it was a bad choice i think clark should have like tossed it at him because clark shouldn't have been <laughs> able to hold that it would have looked even worse he would have just bounced <laughs> no, off and go what the fuck are you doing <laughs> no but if he caught it like a baseball if you just like tossed it and he what's caught this? it and then he was like what's this and then clark could be the fact that clark held it made no clark, sense to me clark could go uh it's a gift don't, don't worry it's a about gift it. for you to just stop being a dick Clark <laughs> this hurts a lot. Clark tries to grab Jeremiah, but it's, he's too fast. He unleashes the dagger, shanks Clark, and then leaves. Jeremiah leaves his first stop at the, of the night to continue his prophecy of killing Lionel. Before this happens, though, we resolve things with Pete as he and Chloe lock up at school. She tells him that she heard his mom is up for a gig as a federal judge. Pete snaps at her, taking out his anger for being displaced on his friend. And I'll tell you what, I liked when he snapped. I liked that he was too. like, dude, Clark's right. Shut up. Stop prying into my shit, man. You've been saying that for three seasons of this podcast. I know, I know but I uh, just confirms it. Jonathan and Martha <laughs> return home to find their stabbed son in the walkway. Jonathan puts his hand over the wound to stop the bleeding, and suddenly a burst of light appears, healing the wound. But how? Uh, that was pretty dope. Unexpected. Unexpected, Ryan. It was unexpected. It was kind of cool. Yeah. The next day, the Kents <laughs> wake up after a sleepover in the hallway. After a quick six-pack shot, we see that Clark has healed and Jonathan son saved his son's life. We also learn that Jeremiah has kidnapped Lionel. Clark springs into action, heading to the slumber place where we see Jeremiah getting kinky, tying up and blindfolding Lionel. He unsheathes the dagger and gets tackled by Clark before he can impale Lionel. The two Namans begin to fight. Clark bashes Jeremiah with a tree, and then the two collide in a head-on collision that knocks out Jeremiah and sends the dagger flying. And Lex shows up somehow and rushes to his father's aid. Just as he unties Lionel, the dagger falls where his head laid. Both Luthers go to grasp the dagger, however, it disintegrates upon the touch, just as Joseph said in the prophecy. But because both men touched it, Clark doesn't know whether Lex or Lionel is his greatest enemy. Brilliant! But you've narrowed it down! <laughs> That's what's kind of like, okay, one of these guys is, is not good for me here. They're my enemy. I would have liked if there was an, at least another choice. <laughs> It's kind of like I just think that one of the best takeaways is the fact that they blindfolded uh, Lionel. Uh, imagine Lionel on that rock, not blindfolded. It it looks silly. The fact somebody decided, someone on Smallville decided, hey, he should be blindfolded, and it makes it scary because it takes place in the daytime. This scene should have taken place at night. It really should have. No yeah. budget. No budget. Remember? Yeah. But we shot in the daytime. Clark returns home to his parents and shares that the reports from Bell Reeve indicate that the CTE that Jeremiah suffered may be terminal. Jonathan tries to reiterate to his son, like he did with the ship in the cellar, that despite the prophecy, he is the one who chooses his destiny, even though his entire life story has been realized so far. Lex shows up to the town, learns that Chloe and her father, um, 
So really just her father are interested in buying out <laughs> Lex's ownership so the Talon can stay as is during her trip. She then tells him she plans to nut up and actually take the trip to Paris. If Lionel shirtless wasn't steamy enough, we close out of the episode by finding Pete shirtless and sleeping in the torch. Chloe relates his parents' divorce situation to Pete's. She learns his dad is moving and her mother is taking the federal job. Damn. So sad. Who's that? Damn. Who's that? Lex shows up to the Kent loft and talks to Clark about the Naman prophecy. His spin on it is that Naman is a powerful tyrant that needs to be kept in check. He believes Sagith is the hero of the story. Here's the thing. In other words, he is the hero. Of the when story, I was watching the episode, true. I didn't catch Sagith. It sounded to me that like that what you said at the end of the episode, I had to rewind it for myself. This is me being an idiot. So did it ever occur to you that the hero of the story is Keith? I, that's what I heard. It's like, who's Keith? <laughs> it's like, who? Sagith. Hold on. All right. Highlights, lowlights. Uh, the experience working with John Schneider. Great, great working with him. He's always great to work with. He was... He wanted. It. I think he got some really great performances. I really did. I, I I always want to step up for my castmates or producers, whoever's directing, and uh, give a hundred percent. And uh, I thought John did a good job. I thought you know John definitely um, when it tried to go against the grain. There's a certain way that the show shot, and John wanted to go his own way in a lot of ways and do his thing. And um, you know. Uh, I commend him for that, but also you kind of have to sort of uh, let go and say, hey, this is what the show looks like. This is what it does. This is what we're doing. And and I think he fought that a little bit. He wanted to do his own thing. And um, I don't think it was uh, easy on him, um, but hopefully we'll get to talk to him and discuss that. I mean, we were there and, and we saw some of that. I think when you compare someone like John Schneider to a James Marshall, you watch a James Marshall episode, even a Beeman episode, there's many more long lens, um, single shots, inserts. John didn't do that. John is more, let's set the frame and let the actors act. That was the biggest takeaway for me. There wasn't a lot of going in and mixing things up. And I don't mind that at all. This was the first episode of Smallville to be directed by a regular cast member. Then came Tom, then came me. Uh, in a deleted scene on the season three DVDs, it is shown that Clark misses his surprise 17th birthday party at the Luther Mansion because he was mortally wounded by Jeremiah. Jeremiah. This is what Jonathan and Martha are returning home from. Lex's alternate interpretation of the prophecy is similar to how it is in the comics. Lex Luther sees Superman as the dangerous alien who must be kept in check. Interesting. Very timely. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers. I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. 
Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome, John Schneider. Yeah. Where? Where? <laughs> Finally, you're my age now. How the hell did that happen? John, how old are you now? <laughs> how old am I? I'm 63. You're 60. You don't look 63. Really? You look freaking great, buddy. 63. God. Are those uh, guest jeans? No, they're uh, Jordash. Jordan. Sergio <laughs> Jordash. Jordash. You were around 40 years old when Smallville started. Yep, 40 years old. And I thought I had, uh, you know, the wisdom of the world on my shoulders. Yeah. yeah. You seem like it, to me at least. Oh, yeah. Well, you, were, you look you like were... you do. I mean, you you brought that to the character. Well, thank you. You know, I was raising children at the time, and I had been uh, on television. I'd been raised by, you know, the greatest, uh, not really, well, yeah, father figure. I think Denver Pyle, who played Uncle Jesse on Dukes of Hazard, And I think I brought a lot of, uh, of that relationship to our relationship, Tom. Not you and me, Michael. Not really. You just, you know. We would, we would play guitar well, and all, all that stuff. Um, well, John for, John, for the record, I stole a lot from you after that, too. So it's been passed on. Well, thank you. I've heard some wonderful things you've said, and I do I do greatly appreciate that. Because you had, my God, talk about having the weight of the world on your shoulders. Well, how old were you when you started? Were you 26, 20? I was, 20, I was 22. You were 22. Okay, yeah. You're, that's, right, that's right. Yeah. So you were supposed to be in there. You're supposed yeah, to be 15, young. 16. But uh, yeah, Damn. I remember when I came back. When I came back in season 10, you were... Uh, executive producer you were you had uh, you had an awful lot of responsibility but i think we talked about that early on about how you could you could parlay this into something really really amazing but it was going to be a lot of work that you might have yeah. to do for a decade you know and and you know a decade when you're 22 seems like a long time but now that you're no longer 22 <laughs> it doesn't seem like that long does it i mean if, if somebody you know, said they're when you were 22 and somebody said, oh, man, that's going to that's gonna take a year, you would have gone, damn, that's a long time. Now it's like, oh, wow, that quick? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I want to jump right into this because you've been on before and we want you on again and again and again. But, you know, we just watched Talisman and I had forgotten how much I actually really liked it. But more importantly, I thought the performances were really great. And, you know, yep. um, you know, we talked with uh, Alan Miles a while back. Well, he, because as John, as you know, Miles had the episode in front of you. And as we were interviewing them, he was they were talking about how big it was and how crazy it got. And Miles was like, you know, and, and you know, John Schneider kind of got, you know, he kind of got screwed as a result of what we were doing. And as hearing him say that, and then we, we would then watch Talisman. And what I saw from it is it had a ton of heart. It had great framing without all that push in on forcing every moment. And maybe that was right. something you had to do because of your, the, the two days they took away from you or the budget they took. But the performances <laughs> I thought in your episode were, were all great. I really did. Yeah, but they were sorry. They said, you know, you were screwed there. Well, they did me a tremendous disservice during that time, but I'll, I'll get to that. Um, <laughs> I think the reason the performances were so good is because everybody was very comfortable because it was me. You know, and, and if, if I have any skill as a director, and I had I directed on Duke, so it wasn't my first time around. They weren't doing me any favors. I, I really felt in, in many regards I was I was doing them a favor that they threw away with both hands. But um it because the 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 cape, remember that great shot when when Tom you you finally you're healed and you run out yeah. and I hold that little blanket. Well, I asked for a red blanket 
And I set that shot up with a rolling carpet and all that stuff intentionally so that there'd be just a little hint of, of the, of the yeah. cape. That wasn't, that wasn't in the script. Uh, when we ran in, one of us slipped, slipped on something on the floor and it was a little bit of, of our son's blood. You know, there's a lot of, oh. a lot of heart to that, a lot of heart to that. And that wasn't in the script either. Um, that wonderful, a lot of times people will overuse the 360 shot. But you remember we did the we did the 360 shot and I had the camera going in the opposite direction so that we could do the knife thing. It was it it's because I'm a I I love cinema, but you all did that stuff because you felt comfortable with me. At least I think yeah. so. I think yeah. so, right? If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Even John Glover, John Glover, I love John Glover, but for John Glover to trust me and, and for him to, to take uh, not really so much direction, but have a conversation about what I thought the audience needed to feel here, you know, that's what I would talk about. Not here's what you do as an actor or here, you know, bad, none of that stuff. I don't know what to do as an actor and I've been one for a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, you, you all just, you trusted me so obviously and so much that it it gave me the um, it gave me permission to dream. You know what what would be the very best possible uh, emotion here for the audience to feel that they haven't felt yet. And yeah. uh, so when you did that, it was just it, it, I thank you, I thank you for it. I never got a chance to thank you for it. Um, Oh, come and, on. And Michael, the scene, the scene you did, and this is the one that this is the one that got me fired. Okay. What? Here we go. No, it wasn't you. Because I there was a scene that you and Tom did where where uh, we built a little scaffolding outside of the barn so the camera could be out there. And you walked into a uh, you walked into one of these with uh with Tom in the back, and it was beautiful. And the word I got was that the scene between you two guys, they felt was was I want to say the best scene, but as far as as your connection as as friends and enemies and people and adversaries and and all of that, that was the best scene they had ever seen. So they were all about that. But then I had you you did a scene with uh, with John Glover, where you were you were downstairs and he was upstairs. You yeah, in the that? Luther Mansion. In Luther Mansion, you weren't in the same shot. You weren't in the same. So I split you guys because you were on opposite sides of an argument, a real argument for the first time. And they said, oh no, we can't, we can't ever have, you know, that's not how we shoot Smallville. So then we, we realized at that point that we could never, ever let you direct again. Okay. So that's, that's what I heard. You know why that scene was shot that way? Because you didn't have both people at the same time. 
right. Miles had directed the previous episode, and he had John Glover. You were in a tank. Tom, you were in some sort of a submersion tank or something. Yeah. But there was there was no way to shoot that. Ultimately, you're shooting not a script, but ultimately you're shooting a schedule, right? Yeah. So you're shooting a schedule. We had to get our day done. The scene between between Lex and Lionel was first scene of the day or last scene of the day, who knows what. But whatever it was, I had to shoot you guys separately because Miles was using John. I think Miles and Al are the reason why the world is infatuated with superheroes today. I give Smallville all the credit and in so doing, give Miles and Al all the credit for for uh, planting and germinating this multi-billion dollar plant. Okay, it's all their fault. They had the vision. They were wonderful. <laughs> However, you didn't even bother to go back and look and see. Oh, for crying! You know, I really, I really screwed John that day. I need to apologize. Okay, I think would I have shot it that way if I had both of you? Absolutely not. It would have been much easier to shoot it the way we always shot Smallville. But I think that's one of the best scenes between you and John Glover in all ten years. I wow. really do because. You guys did not have the, you didn't have the heart to look at one another. And I think, I think that showed your relationship and the, and the, the depth of the problems in that relationship better than anything that was ever, ever on Smallville. So there, I've been wanting to say that for almost, <laughs> but I, I want to just say, but you watch the episode and it's a good episode. It's a good episode and it's good performances. So I'm, I'm wondering when you say you got fired, you didn't get fired. Are you saying they just never asked you back to direct? Did you want to direct more? Oh, they told me. They, they told me I could never direct another Smallville in the meeting I had with them because of my obvious ignorance about the way Lionel and uh, and uh, and Lex were shot. I could never direct again. They told you that. Small, they told me that, and you know me really well. And it was really hard for me not to say, "Jane, you ignorant slut," right? <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it was tough, but it didn't come. It didn't come up to the meeting. You were when you when you met with them. You were like, yeah, but I didn't want the two actors. What did you want me to do? No, I didn't. Uh, no, that's like casting pearls before time. It was Al. My, I don't think Miles wasn't there. Miles was doing something else. Miles was. I think if Miles were there, I probably would have said, Miles, you had Tom in a tank. You had John Glover over there, and uh, there was no way for me. What, what was I going to do? Was I going to stop production on this episode to wait for? A until I could get the actor back. No, I had to shoot the schedule. So, uh, but, but you know, that's casting pearls before swine. But let me ask you this: What do you remember about directing that you enjoyed when you directed that episode of Smallville? Everything, everything. I didn't. I didn't have that conversation until it was already over. Right. You know, I thought. I thought they were calling me in to say, "Oh my God, you know, it's a shame you have to keep acting in this show because we want you to direct every episode we ever do." That's what I thought the meeting right. was going to be. Um, I enjoyed so much having the, uh, the latitude to be able to talk to our, our DP and say, you know, I'd really, I'd really like, we're, we're always here. So can we be here? Yeah. Uh, Glenn, you know, Glenn, my God, what a, what a creative genius Glenn was, is yeah. I'm sure Glenn is, but, is still, so everything. Oh, he's doing I mean, great. He's doing great. But even that scene in the hallway where Clark's bleeding, you know, the red blanket and even the, the, the blue blanket and. You know, Annette's there and you're there. I think you had, maybe I picked this up from you, but I always had this thing when I would direct of like, I I, re I know where we shoot all the time, but we right. haven't shot over there. 
you know, and and that's a place yeah. we could have. That scene could have taken place anywhere. Could have been on the kitchen table. You know what I mean? It could have been anywhere. But that down the hallway, it's very. I wanted it framed inside that doorway. I wanted it backlit with our what do we call them? Uh, Glenn called the buttery fingers of light. I wanted yeah. that, and then I wanted I wanted there to be a reason for you to run through a a a channel like you were going into some other some new part of your life as as Clark Kent, and I wanted to hint to the audience with that little poof of the red uh, of the red blanket that uh, that we knew. But I did get that notion, not that particular notion, but I love the way Miles and Al put in the uh, the kryptonite in your in your ring in, in the first year. I loved I loved all the little tidbits, the little breadcrumbs that they would leave to the Superman legend about about why Clark was such a a, a clumsy goofball around Lana. Well, it was because there was kryptonite. I, I loved all that. I loved the S on your chest when you're up. Yeah. So all of that stuff caused me to think about how can I do that? Because now we're, we were what, three years into the show? Yeah. And we had enough time to really be able to listen to what the, the fans of the show really, really liked. And they love those little breadcrumbs. So I wanted to put as many of those in there as I could. How many, because Michael and I talk about this a lot where, you know, we would do these season finales and I would, I would disappear for two and a half months and I, I rarely watched anything. Were you watching the show when it aired? Did you did you do that or no? Not oh, this yeah. show, but all like the whole all the episodes. You would sit down and watch them when they aired. I would, well, you know, if I was if I was uh, home, yeah, I would watch them. I love to watch them because, yeah, I, honestly, after <laughs> after the meeting where they said we don't want you to direct anymore, you can't direct anymore, you bad bad child. Once they said <laughs> that, I think I I stopped watching. Before that, yeah. I watched because I wanted to see, I wanted to to know Smallville so well that I could not only pay tribute to what we had done, but try to expand it a little bit. Um, and I think I did that. I think uh, yep. I think Talos did that. Uh, the shot of the knife coming coming down. I mean, there's there's some some wonderful shots in the in that in that episode that I think are truly some of the best shots in the in the whole the whole series. Not because I knew exactly what they needed to be. No, because I felt free enough because you guys trusted me so much. And Glenn and I, you know, I'm all about, as a director, I'm all about composition. So I'm all about where to, not only where to put the camera, but where to frame the actors in the camera, right? I I, uh, I think Smallville was a big show. And even if you're watching it on a, a smaller screen, I wanted the audience to have to look from one character to the other as they were speaking, yeah. I wanted to engage the audience in that. And in the case of John and, and Michael, this, I wanted them to go, oh my God, they can't even, and he won't even come downstairs. Lytle won't even give, won't even give, uh, it Lex, uh, he, he, he won't even come down and look at him face to face. Um, and I think, uh, I think Lex might've, if he didn't shed a tear, you damn near did. I mean, it was a wonderful scene between the two of you that you never did together. You were not in the same room at the same time. And that, I'm sorry, folks, that takes a director. It really does. That takes a director who's an editor, who knows what this is going to look like before we've even shot it. And that's, there, I'm going to do it. That's that's who I am. Watch anything. Watch anything I'll do it too. I, I'll do it too. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank, oh thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Michael. You know, I had never really watched the episodes until Talk Yeah. Though. And now I have, I'm forced to watch them all and I've been, it's been a great ride, but 
you know, I just, I don't know. I just didn't have a lot of time and I just didn't, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just didn't. You didn't care. You're in your, you're in your van with the, with, you know, free puppies and an ice cream sign on the side. And how dare you, sir? No, no. What I <laughs> noticed though, was how rich and how layered and how great the characters really were like Jonathan Kent, your, your performance as Jonathan Kent was so strong throughout that there are moments repeated repeatedly we 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 do this we go over we're like wow how good was john in that how good was annette in that your relationship was so good yeah, thank you thank you You guys were great together the, the respect that you guys had you and annette were great was, well, yeah she was she was annette wonderful and so goofy you were so true to the character you cared so much and it just showed. And um, I, look, I hope you'll come back on the podcast again when we get to other big episodes with you. Absolutely. Well, you have to just be a while before you get to any episodes with me. But uh, but one of the best ones, season ten, season ten. Listen, we love you. On you know, not <laughs> to get down, but look, I know you've been through a shit storm of emotion. Oh my god! I just want to say that we're with you and we love you and. We're thinking of you, and we know you'll you'll get through this. And I know I, I really feel terrible for your loss. And I know it was, she was the world, your, your your world. And I know she's smiling down on you and wants you to be the best and do the best you can. Yeah. Yep. So please, please stay strong. Call us if you ever need us. And um, we we thank you so much for coming on. You are so very love welcome. You. Love you, John. I love you too, Tom. Love you, Michael. Ryan. <laughs> let, me notes. let me see what you wrote down. Let me see. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. This is the hotline, folks. Talk you know the number, 213-JET-Q. Uh, we're going to start out with patron privilege, patreon.com slash talkville. Join, become a member, help the podcast. This is Karen. Karen, what you got? Hi, guys. Karen Apple M from Australia with a quick question for Season 3 Talisman. That knife wound healing scene was so powerful. Tom, what was it like to do that scene with John as your director? Thanks. It's great that I was with those people because when your eyes are closed and someone is supposed to going to stab you in the chest, you have to really trust that they're not going to hurt you. So (laughs) I I was in good hands with John. Shannon. Hi, guys. This is Shannon Fofanon from Delaware calling about the episode Talisman. In the episode, Jeremiah was wearing glasses, and then when he got the power of the knife, he was no longer wearing glasses. So was this an intentional nod to Clark Kent wearing glasses and Superman without? And how was it working with uh, John Schneider as director for this episode? Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. I I would say that he doesn't wear the glasses because he has superpowers and probably supervision and all that. So that's why he didn't wear the glasses. Tom, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they were trying to make him look studious at the beginning, and then when he got the power, he didn't need those glasses anymore. 
and working with John was great. There's a shorthand that you get when your castmates direct. And I found it even when I was directing, uh, even an accentuated energy in the actors' faces because they, they want to really be there for you. And it's, it's really fun. Yeah, I agree. Estevan G. This is Estevan G. Got a voice message from Estevan G. I haven't heard from, we haven't heard from Estevan G, have we? Hey guys, it's Estevan G calling from Dallas, Texas. Every time I watch this episode, I try to slow motion the scene of the two Luthers grabbing the knife. I was just curious if you guys did that as well. Obviously, we know who ends up grabbing the knife, but I was just curious. No, All right, a, thank you guys. That's Love a good show. idea. A good I'm going gonna, gonna to look at it right now. Yeah, it was pretty dope. It was pretty dope. Um, did you guys remember trying to time that out at all? Yes. Remember trying to time it you, out so it's perfect, but I will say. Oh, it, it blurs before either of you actually it grab it. So it. It lights up. It's kind of like who shot first, Han Solo or Greedo. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like who grabbed the knife. <laughs> That's the. Uh, okay. That's cool. We got. Uh, who do we got here now? We got Bobby. Good old Bobby K. Is this Bobby Knudsen? Love my Knudsen. Knudsen, Knudsen. Bob's awesome. I really like Bobby AG three. He, take, he takes a, a, a G one. He takes the AG one like we do. Hey guys, that's in New York. So in the scene when Clark is healed, he's sitting with a red blanket over his shoulders. Uh, happenstance or a planned nod to the Superman lore? Planned nod. Well, totally planned. And if you notice next to it, there's a blue pillow. That's all on purpose. Yeah. That's set deck. That's good stuff. Yeah. But good eye, Bob. This is Jason. Hey, it's Jason uh, from Pittsburgh, Season 3, Episode 20. This question is for Michael. Michael, do you think your scenes with Lana here, do you think that was you finally, the character finally accepting and acknowledging to himself and Lana that he, he cares for her, that, that he loves her? The scenes were touching. They were very powerful, I felt. Do you feel that this was Lex telling all of us, viewers included, that he does, in fact, love Lana? Love no, you guys. Bye. No, not at this point. At this point, he just... He has, I think he's just, he admires her. He likes her. He cares for her, but it's not that at all. I think that he doesn't, he, he's, uh, he's a good guy still. I think he wants Clark to end up with Lana. I think he's just trying to help her. And I don't think there's any of that stuff in there. I, I agree. And also as, as we get into the next episode, you, what you have here is somebody who's not trying to control Lana. He's trying to give her every opportunity to make her own choices. And Correct. I think that's really cool. It's one of the, he's not asking for anything. Oh, Sherry. Hello, Sherry from Virginia. Why did they cut the birthday scene out? I kept wondering why were there balloon decorations put up at Alexa's mansion? They should have left the scene in. Thanks. Didn't have time. You only have 42 minutes in a show and you got to cut some stuff because all the commercials. There's like but what was her issue? But what was her issue with balloons? Well, there's balloons, so it doesn't really tell the stories because it was cut out. It was supposed to be Tom's birthday or Clark's birthday. Yeah, they didn't explain any of that. No, I, it didn't bother me. I didn't care. I, I didn't miss it, and I forgot about it. Yeah. yeah, here's no name. Why would no name call? That's a weird name to name your child. I just wanted to let you know that season three, episode twenty, entitled "Talisman," will be the first episode where Clark and Lana have no scene at all. Thank you. Wow. wow. Thanks for that. No scene <laughs> no at name. all with Clark and Lana. Wait. No, no name, no scene. Oh, that's right, because it was the next episode. All right. Thank you. Abe. Let's go to Abe. Good old Abe. Hey, everybody. This is Abe from Colorado. How's it going, Tom, Michael, and Ryan? So 
I'm watching episode 20 of season three, Talisman, and I'm sitting there thinking, how Seinfeldy is Lex? Clark, why would I do that? Kind of like, a, have you ever noticed? You think that's sort of uh, kind of the M.O. of Lex? Thanks, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really. I didn't. I, I wasn't channeling Jerry Seinfeld like, Clark, what's the deal? What are these signs on the blinds? Why am I rhyming? This is you are you are an alien. It's a good question, but there is a theme in Smallville where someone's asked a question. They don't answer the question. They just carry it on. They, I think that's also the thing. Like, hey, Lex, are you a bad guy? Why would you ask me that? You know what I mean? Like, it's just. Yeah. Ryan. Not you, Ryan. This is Ryan. I didn't ask it. I know. You might have known. <laughs> might be him. Ryan. Hey, it's Ryan L. Gotta say, love the show. I'm doing a rewatch, and I think I noticed something. Season 3, episode 20, Talisman. Clark is stabbed with the blade in the show, and I noticed that he woke up and recovered when the sun came up, maybe because he's enhanced by, you know, the sun's rays, and that helped his healing. So if he's stabbed and wounded at night, it's going to be more difficult for him to repair himself. So just an interesting thought. Not a question, not a note, just something on a rewatch. Thanks, Love the show. Ryan. You know, you, you know what's interesting about that is, yeah, Superman is healed from the sun. That's where he gets his energy. And you're right, because if you look at Jonathan's reaction, now that I think about it, he says he didn't do it, right? And then the implication is Jarrell did it. And then in the next episode, you'll hear Jonathan say that he's not trusting his own judgment anymore. So mm. I think you might be onto something there. I don't know. I think Jonathan healed him. And through 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 um what's his name? Well, he probably yeah, he probably stopped it, but yeah, Clark didn't come to until the morning. Well, I think he just slept through it. I don't think there was any really. I thought it was just a happenstance thing. He just kind of it was the morning, and he came to. He healed. I didn't huh. put much thought into that. Uh, here's a text. Uh, Michael Kane doesn't blink. <laughs> I have a general question about the series. You guys established that everything in set design is done with a purpose. Why is the talent Egyptian themed? Thank God it is, because otherwise it would be so boring. I don't know what the reason is, but there's a, there's a reason out there for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe hieroglyphics to make it even more exotic. Like you know, because 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 Lana's a European. Well, she's the a Egyptians, traveler. She I wants think, to travel the world. In like in hieroglyphics, they talk about aliens coming down, and a lot of their drawings oh. or illustrations. They. So maybe there's some kind of symbolism towards that. Well, also used to be a mu- a, a movie theater, a movie theater. <laughs> a movie theater. Yeah, were, were they just? Oh, were they? Is that like a nod to the Egyptian theater here in Los Angeles? Maybe. Caitlin says when Clark was stabbed and had to make it all the way back to the house to the, get the landline, I got to wondering: Do you guys think it's harder for writers to come up with interesting plots these days now that their characters have such easy access to things like cell phones? Absolutely, especially yeah. for horror movies. Yeah. If uh, you know, it's very hard to be scary if someone's like, "I'll just call the cops," or "I'll just do this." I'll look on the internet. Yeah. There's something you know missing where. It was more of a mysterious world we lived in when you couldn't have instant um, knowledge of things and you couldn't reach people. Access, except, well, it's not as accessible. I had a, I had a silly thought that when Clark got stabbed, the way he got home is he was like, and kind of leaned forward. And just as he fell, he had that last burst of super speed and got home immediately. Like I, I didn't see him trudging through the woods. I yeah. just saw him be like, he's just home. Sing. Yeah. He's just home. Peter. Peter. 
given this was the first episode where a fellow cast member directed, what was the experience like? Curious because it's such a unique situation in a workplace. I think personally that everyone is really um, helpful and wants the director to succeed no matter who he is but especially if it's a cast member that you work with every day and you have this rapport you want them you want to see them succeed and it's kind of like family and uh i think everybody had john's back and they had my back certainly in your back and chloe or allison's mac alan allison's mac allison's mac allison's back when uh so yeah that's what i'll say about that uh rosenbaum rating and now I'm going to start with Tom because I think Tom's going to give it the strongest one. Tom, I don't know. I, 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 re- I, I, I didn't. I didn't remember lo- much of went on, but I really think there's a bigger picture of this story. I, I give it a one and a half. Wow. Yeah, Ryan. Uh, one. <laughs> one and a half. One and a half. I stand by it. I'll give it one. I should just death and save count. Death and save count. Zero dead. Two saved. Jonathan saves Clark. Clark saves Lionel through 20 episodes in season three. 28 dead, 31 saved. Series 87 dead. 101 saved. Ryan's favorite scene. It's time for Ryan's favorite scene. This is gonna be probably pretty easy. Will it be? Yeah. Ask yourself that. All right. Scene one uh, is La- uh, Lex telling Lana why he kept the talent for her. All right, so scene one, Lex and Lana. Scene two, uh, John saving Clark with the beam. And scene three, uh, the super fight. Oh, you love super fights. What do you give it, Tom? I'm going to go number one. I'm going to go the scene between Lex and Lana. You're both correct. That's number one. Both correct. Yep. It definitely stood out, and we all noticed it. You know, I I think this is an example of what John Schneider brought to this story. Is I think what he did bring out was the heart. I think that he he did pay attention to performance, um, and less about inserts and tight shots. And I think he really, and that you just chose your favorite scene was a heart scene. I liked it. I, I thought it was layered. It wasn't just dialogue, banter. It was. Yeah, if, it was if you heard the beginning of the scene and you had to guess the end of the scene, you would have gotten it wrong. Yeah. yeah. I would have been yeah. like, oh, he's going to flirt with her. He's going to do this. He's yeah. going to. And it wasn't. It was strong. And uh, good performances. Yeah. Good writing. Agree. That is it for the episode. We only have two episodes left, folks. So you better stick around because shit is going to get deep. Stick around next week as we take a journey into Forgotten Places in season three, episode 21, Forsaken. Let's take the Ooh. discussion online. Let us know your thoughts on the episode over on our socials at Talkville Podcast. Write a review. Spread the word. Show support for the podcast by joining patreon.com slash Talkville. You could also get amazing merch and new autographed prints from artwork at uh, talkvillepodcast.com. There's also a bunch of Smallville stuff on my podcast website, Inside of You uh, online store, the Inside of You online store. Great stuff. And um, yes, a lot of groovy shit. So thank you. Uh, and you want to catch more like merch from the show on our hotline number. You can find all that in the description. Uh, my link tree on my bio has where Tom and I are going cameos, all that stuff. And uh, why don't you give us uh, the tagline here, uh, Ryan? Remember folks, always hold on to Smallville. We'll see you later. See you, Tommy. Thanks guys. See you, Ryan. <laughs> 
If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. All right, these are our wonderful patrons. Couldn't do this without you. Um, we've said it a million times. It's the holidays, and uh, we're getting through this. We're excited and uh, going to do season four because the patrons have been so giving, and we're going to give those shout-outs now. Patreon.com slash Talkville if you want to join and help out. Tom, why don't you take us off with these top-tier yeah. beautiful people? I just met a new patron this weekend at a con. She was so excited. Really? Um, Nick. Nikki G, Leanne P, Raj C, Santiago M, Little Lisa, Thomas, the Leaf Blower, Sophie M, Betsy D, Abhi P, Ray H, Karen Apple M, Danielle B, 99 more, Leilani M, Brett G, always hold on to Smallville. Estevan G, DJ Kento, Garrett W, Kimberly L. Hi, Kimberly. Tom N, Jason W, Osama A. Osama, what's going on? Love that guy. Lana rhymes with banana W. Nancy D, always checking up on me. Brian G, Sarah W, YVR Grips. Are you a grip? It's Vancouver. That's Vancouver Grips. Oh, he's a grip. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Anna M, Amanda R, Teddy127, Michael P, Theo M. Do you know what Teddy127 in Spanish is? It's Teddy Uno Dos Siete. Michael P, Theo M, Ryan R, Jordan M, Randy B, Craig G, and Christy R. Karen P, Jorel, Heather N, Greg. I made Talkville say butts. Ryan H, Erica K, Kristen B, Nanine W, Stephanie K, Darth Achilles. Finky, Tamara H, early is on time. I like that. Damn. Who's that? Jeanette E, Dead Vid, General Zod, Big D, Doug R, Carlos C, Tommy Z, Boston 68, Ken the Limerick Guy, Corey L, Mr. Home Arcade, Amanda K, Jesse C, Claire M, and D Brown. Tom, I think you should take over now with uh, Karenera M. I'm back. Karenera M, Jules M, Eldon Supremo, Leslie V, McBirds, Ginger Moose, Christopher S, Michelle uh, M, uh, uh, Drew. Uh, Tom, it's Christoph. What'd I do? It's Christoph S. Um, sorry, Michael. Christoph, Christoph might tell you to fuck off. <laughs> Michelle M. Uh, yeah, I'm sick of it. Uh, Drew Marisol P. We love her. Uh, Michael Kying doesn't blank. Sebastian F. Sourpuss Cranky Pants. Matthew and Lincoln B. The Coopers. Marion Louise L. C. G. O. Sounds like a car. Cindy C. Nikki L. Bish Bash Bosh. Shannon Fofanon M. Like she needed the M. But Tina E, Matt R, Jen T, Cassie B, Felicia R, Danny M, DS, the RN. What do you think he does for a living? JS, <laughs> Rachel D, Ginger, 
Gingerous Prime and Nate D. When you're rich, you're not crazy, you're authentic. Just kidding. Uh, Jonas One, Samantha Starkville's Derek Spicy Brown says, what? Carrie Ann Moss, the Coopers, your buddy, uh, the Coopers, Daryl E, Kyle F, Charlene A, Spicy Chicken, love some spicy chicken, Jenny B, bunch of amateurs, Anna B, and last son of Talkville. Wow. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, hope you have a happy holiday uh, whenever this airs. Maybe it's the holiday. Maybe it's not. But uh, right now, while we're recording this, it's the holidays. And there was a ding, but it's all right. Uh, we love you. Thank you so much, Tom. Good seeing you, buddy. Get better. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.